This podcast is sponsored by Primal Kitchen Restaurants, providers of fast, casual dining experiences where taste and the freshest ingredients always come first. To learn more about franchise opportunities, visit PrimalKitchenRestaurants.com. That's PrimalKitchenRestaurants.com. The following Mark's Daily Apple article was written by Mark Sisson and is narrated by Brock Armstrong. Ten things you shouldn't do if you're trying to build muscle. While it's important to think positive and focus on all the things you should be doing to achieve your goals, it's equally important that we focus on the things that interfere with our goals and remind ourselves to avoid doing them. Some call it the not-to-do list, which I like. Many of the behaviors on this not-to-do list are deal-breakers, so it's arguably more crucial we identify and curtail those that apply to our lives. But that's hard. These are behaviors we might already be doing. Heck, they might be bad habits we've developed or or biases we've internalized. And so, before adopting good behaviors, we should clear out the bad ones. Otherwise, we're just pissing in the wind. What are some things you shouldn't be doing if your ultimate goal is to build muscle? Well, number one, skip sleep for a late or really early training session. It feels good to make that late-night Facebook post about the weights you just lifted or brag about your 4.30 a.m. wake-up call for a CrossFit class. It looks impressive. That is true dedication, right? Except that you're not building muscle in real time as you hoist that bar off the floor, You build muscle by recovering from your training session, and sleep is where we do most of our recovery. Sleep is where everything good happens. Sleep debt actively inhibits muscle recovery and hypertrophy and promotes muscle degradation. Sleep deprivation increases cortisol and reduces testosterone. For optimal muscle building, the former should be lower and the latter higher. One older study found that total sleep deprivation increased urinary excretion of nitrogen, which could be indicative of muscle breakdown and loss of lean mass. Sleep is almost everything. Number two, sacrifice form just to increase the weight. For two reasons. First, poor form will inevitably lead to injury on a long enough timeline, which means you won't be lifting at all and your muscles won't be receiving any stimulus. And second, poor form is a shortcut, often curtailing your range of motion and limiting the amount of work your muscles are actually doing. If it's easier, you're not actually exposing your muscles to the work they need, and you think you're giving to get stronger. You'll still gain muscle with bad form, but it won't be as effective as the weight would indicate and you'll eventually hurt yourself. A perfect example of this is the perceived dichotomy between the front squat and the back squat. Although back squats allow you to lift more weight, they're often harder to do right. And a recent study suggests that doing the front squat, which many find to be a more intuitive lift, with a lower weight can be just as anabolic as doing a back squat with a higher weight. 
Number three, speed through the eccentric phase, i.e. drop the weight. Everyone focuses on the concentric phase of a lift, the lifting of the bar off the floor in the deadlift, the press upward during the bench or overhead press. Even the generic term lift implies the primacy of the concentric phase. But there's evidence that the eccentric phase is just as important for hypertrophy and strength gains. A 2014 study showed that training emphasizing the eccentric phase resulted in extremely high post-workout biomarkers of muscle anabolism. This didn't show actual muscle gain, but that's because it's a one-shot look at the acute effects of eccentric training, and a 2009 review determined that high-intensity eccentric training can increase muscle mass to a greater degree than concentric training. You don't necessarily have to lower the weight as slowly as possible, but lower it with control. Don't let gravity do the work for you. Resist it. Number four, stick to the ideal routine even if it's not working. You're doing everything everyone says to do. You're squatting and pressing three times a week, deadlifting once and learning how to power clean. You've got a dog-eared copy of Starting Strength by your bedside. A permacloud of weightlifting chalk dust follows you around like pig pen. For most people, this kind of dedication builds muscle. Barbell training works wonders for most people, provided they do it with the right form and intensity. It allows you to handle the most weight and places dynamic stresses on your musculoskeletal system. But don't get caught up in barbell dogma if it simply isn't producing the results you want. Three times five squats, deadlifts, and presses aren't the only way, no matter how loudly internet commenters scream it. Many people find that the higher volume training in the 8-12 to 12 rep range offers a good balance between volume and intensity and produces greater hypertrophy with real strength. Number 5. Try to lose weight. I'm not suggesting it's impossible to lose body fat and build muscle at the same time. Lifting heavy is probably one of the best things you can do to lose body fat and improve composition. It's certainly doable, if a bit more difficult than focusing on either alone. But when your primary goal is gaining muscle, losing weight is really, really hard. For one, muscle weighs more than fat, so if you're successful in gaining muscle, you'll likely gain weight. Two, gaining muscle requires caloric excess, which makes losing weight really hard, if not downright impossible. So, if you're successful at losing weight, you won't gain much muscle, and if you're successful at gaining muscle, you won't lose weight. The two are not compatible. Number six, train for endurance. Large muscles are just energetically and kinetically costly for endurance athletes. They're really difficult to develop on the training schedule that's required for a serious endurance athlete. The training needed to get really good at endurance work crowds out any chance you'll have to train the weights. There simply isn't enough time in the day or the week to train for and recover from both muscle hypertrophy and elite endurance performance. And yes, endurance athletes are increasingly integrating strength training into their regimens, but not to bulk up. They're lifting weights to improve their sport, 
become more resistant to injury and wear and tear, strengthen their connective tissue, and get stronger overall. Number seven, spend hours in the gym doing every exercise. Building muscle requires dedication, consistency, and getting in there and doing the work even when you don't feel like it. But that doesn't mean you have to spend three hours killing yourself at the gym. You don't have to hit every muscle group with five different exercises. You don't have to do donkey calf raises. You don't have to do pull-ups, chin-ups, and lat pull-downs. In fact, trying to do too much can cause overtraining, which is counterproductive to actually gaining the muscle. If every training session is an hour-long affair, you'll start making excuses not to train that day. And before long, you'll be skipping entire weeks and wondering why you never feel like lifting. You've set the bar too high to stick to the routine. Very few people can consistently train for three hours a day without hating their lives. You're probably not among them. Number eight, ignore other forms of physical activity. If you want to gain muscle, then yes, your focus will need to be strength training. But I caution against strength training to the exclusion of everything else. I don't have much hard science backing me up here. It's more of a intuition born out of years of seeing people fail and succeed. But it's the folks who do things other than strength training that often have the best physiques. They're playing frisbee or paddleboarding. They're hiking and sprinting and slacklining. They're challenging their bodies and minds and muscles in different ways. They're taking time out of their lives to have fun and simply enjoy the body they're diligently creating in the gym. Everything in life must have balance. I've yet to see a counterexample. Have you? Number nine, do high rep conditioning workouts like P90X. If you just want to lean out and build stamina and the capacity to withstand great physical discomfort, <laughs> programs like P90X work well. Those are high rep, low weight workouts that never seem to end. You'll do things like air squats, into push-ups, into light dumbbell presses, into reverse lunges, into tuck jumps, with very little rest. If you ever go down to the local park, you'll see hordes of people doing boot camp workouts that look very similar, and all these will make you tired and sore the next day, and you'll get fitter and better conditioned. But to build muscle, to gain lean mass, these are not the programs you want to be doing. And finally, number 10, do post-workout cold water plunges. Cold water plunges can help restore performance and reduce recovery times in hard-charging athletes, and professional sport teams are beginning to install ice baths in their facilities to take advantage of this. But emerging evidence suggests this may come at a cost, reduced strength and muscle gains. In one recent paper, researchers separated athletes into two 12-week resistance training groups. One group sat in cold water for 10 minutes after training. One group practiced active recovery for 10 minutes after training. After 12 weeks, the active recovery group enjoyed greater strength and mass gains than the cold immersion group did. 
For the second phase of the study, they measured acute changes in anabolic biomarkers and found that cold water immersion blunted post-workout activation of key proteins in muscle cells for up to two days. Cold plunges are still useful for trainees if you need to recover quickly from a game of Ultimate or you've got another event coming up in the CrossFit Games or you're on a ski trip and intend to make the most of every single day, dunking your body into cold water after a session can help you reach your goals. If you're an endurance athlete, cold water plunges appear to be beneficial. If you're competing, it will probably help you recover. And I've had great success using alternating cold and hot water plunges at night to improve my sleep. But if your goal is to gain muscle above all else, post-workout cold water plunges may interfere and should be delayed until your rest days. These are probably the most common mistakes I see people making when they're trying to build muscle, but there are definitely others that I've left out. What mistakes have you made, or are still making, in your own quest to gain lean muscle mass? Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. In a supermarket full of mayo options, how do you know which one to pick? Well, there's an easy answer. The one that tastes good and is good for you. But here's the problem. Almost all store-bought mayonnaise contains industrial seed oils or eggs raised from hens treated with added hormones and antibiotics. Not exactly the best recipe for good health. Luckily, there's a new mayo creating a ton of buzz. It's called Primal Kitchen Mayo and contains only the finest superfood ingredients, including all-natural avocado oil and organic cage-free eggs. So no more trading good health for great taste. Go to primalblueprint.com today and pick up a three-pack. As an added bonus while supplies last, enter the code FREEBOOK at checkout to receive a free copy of Mark Sisson's Healthy Sauces, Dressings, and Toppings Cookbook with any three-pack mayo order.